0: Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heaven Bound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds, but also preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Roger, we're actually going to look back two weekends. We have just come off of a really encouraging weekend, a spring series with Kevin Clark. And if any of our listeners weren't able to join us in person, or if you would simply like to revisit any of those encouraging lessons, they are freely available at charlestownroad.org. We appreciate Kevin and his good efforts. But about a week and a half ago, Roger, you gave us a lesson, really the first of two. You talked little girls to godly women. We want to look back at that, but also be aware that here in just a couple of Sunday evenings, you're going to look at the opposite side of that, little
1: boys to godly men. Absolutely. And let, let me also say something about Kevin's preaching. You know, it's interesting. We, we have the same Bible. But we bring our own personalities and our own uh, talents to that. And among us preachers, it's amazing to see the different abilities, different approaches to the same texts. And that's what makes all of this unique. You know, it's not like getting the same thing over and over. If you had to have a uh, beef stew every night uh, after about two weeks, you get kind of tired of it. And so it, it, it brings a different approach. And that's why we like bringing in guest speakers like that. We do that lots of times throughout this year. And it's very encouraging for all of us. It's encouraging for us preachers to, to listen to someone else and to get some ideas as they look at God's word in such a way. And so that sermon, Little Girls to Godly Women, is kind of prompted by my little granddaughter who uh, was riding with me one day in a car, and we were just talking about life, and she brought up some things, and it made us realize that the times we live in is difficult for moms and dads. There's a lot of things going on in the world. And culture is really trying to reshape the home, trying to redefine the role of a marriage, redefine the person as they are. I think it's trying to redefine what a woman is, trying to redefine what a man is. And so in this lesson, what I tried to drive at was this: how do we teach our little girls to grow up, to become godly women. It was directed toward parents, but a lot of the thoughts would go to our college students, our teens, as they kind of looked at some of those things. And one of the things that came out of that sermon, I think I had more people talking about than anything else, was a statistic that 78% of all suicides today, and that's across the board, all suicides, 78% of them are committed by teenage girls. And that just shows you there's a serious, serious problem in society. Something's lacking, and that is a concern. Now, the sermon wasn't about suicide. It wasn't about how to prevent suicide. But a lot of what culture places upon us and upon girls is is something that just bothers them. And that's kind of what I was trying to drive at in that lesson. So right
0: in the heart of it, after revealing that just— Heartbreaking statistic. You looked at six lies that culture wants girls to believe. And I think here, even though it's been about a week and a half since you preached it, these are still worth revisiting, thinking about. We all know people, perhaps even in the context of our own homes, who are tempted to believe these lies that are spread all around us in a variety of different ways through different mediums. Let's talk about them. Number one, you said you have to look a certain way or you don't fit in
1: and you don't matter. Why is that a lie? And and that's the age of or that's the image of perfection. Uh, you know, it, it bombards us with the entertainment, that idea. The the women you look at on the commercials or in the movies or on TV shows, there's an image. And it, it's it's also oftentimes an image that's not even realistic. And so that concept is I have to look a certain way or I do not matter. Well, maybe I don't have blonde hair. Maybe I'm not tall and slender. Maybe I have freckles. Those are some things I really can't do a lot of things about, and if society says only ones who look a certain way are counted, everyone else is not counted, that, that can just destroy someone's self-image and their self-worth. All of us are made in the image of God. All of us are special, and Jesus died for all of us, and so this concept that only the elite, only the special ones, only the ones that look certain ways matter really is not biblical, and it's just hurtful to people's feelings.
0: In the second half of that sermon, you took us back to Proverbs 31, and when I think of that first cultural lie, I think of the next-to-last verse in Proverbs 31, where we're told, after hearing of this virtuous woman, verse 30 of Proverbs 31, "...charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain." Uh, these things that culture would have us to put so much stock into to the point of attaching our sense of self-worth to these things wisdom pulls the curtain back and and essentially says don't be deceived by these things don't build your life on something that is ultimately vanity but here's what matters most a woman who fears the Lord. She
1: is to be praised. Not a word about what she looks like. Absolutely. You know, and, and what Proverbs 31 is from the first verse is the words of a mom to her soon to be king. And this is the type of woman who will be the queen. And what we read about this is her character, yeah. her her industry, her generosity, her love of the Lord. But how tall is she? What color of hair does she have? You know, how many shoes does she own? None of that. It comes out of that passage. And when we put the wrong emphasis in the wrong place. It's just going to get everything messed up. And I think that's where our culture is today. All right. Cultural lie
0: number two. You are what others
1: say you are. And that just is the backdrop of bullyism. And that that is a real problem in high school and middle school today. You get some mean-spirited people, and they start saying some mean things toward others, and they start believing it. And because somebody says it, it must be true. Well, that's not true. And again, we're back to this idea that God loves us and we're made in the image of God. And so because somebody can say something cruel to you does not mean that's really the way it is. And sometimes it comes from a mean-spirited heart that's just not right with the Lord makes me think of what God made clear
0: to Samuel, judge and and prophet in Israel when he's looking for the next king in Jesse's household. And he starts with the tallest, the oldest, the most regal looking son, and just keeps working his way down until finally he comes to the the runt of the litter, (laughs) right? But God emphasizes in that moment, listen, I don't see as you see, you see the outward appearance, what I notice, what
1: I appreciate most is the heart. Absolutely. And that, that again, helps us to realize that. These, these cultural sayings that our kids pick up at school, they pick up on social media, they're seeing it in the entertainment world, they need to hear the opposite at home. And they need to be emphasized that you are special and you are good and you are loved and you're just as beautiful outside as you are inside. Those are the things that they need to hear daily from mom and dad. All right. Cultural lie number three. If
0: you're a stay-at-home mom, you have nothing to offer.
1: Culture would say that a housewife, as we might call that from the olden days, is that she just sold herself out. And she's just staying home with the kids, and rather than excelling in the business world or the political world, climbing to the top and getting that dog eat dog world, she she's just staying at home. And the idea is that you don't have an opinion, you don't have a brain, you you just sold yourself out, and that that is so far from the truth. And a lot of people have climbed the top of the ladder and found out how lonely it is. And to get there, they've had to step on others, and they've had to abandon their family. Uh, there's nothing shameful about that. And And the idea about staying home and raising your kids – Someone should never look down and feel like, well, I've sold out, because that's not the case. If at all
0: possible. Uh, obviously, we realize that there are circumstances where perhaps mom and dad, uh, to varying degrees, have to work outside of the home. But either way, I would humbly suggest, as someone who's not always been the best at this, but is, is learning and, and hopefully continuing to do better, dad— The husband needs to be the biggest cheerleader of all. I think you see that in that Proverbs 31 passage, just before what we read, that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Of this woman, it is said in verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her there have been many many times when someone maybe I'm out of town working with a a church over a week or a weekend as a guest preacher and someone will very kindly ask me about my family and I'll I'll share uh, you know our family dynamic and they'll ask about Shelley what she does for a living and in that moment I've I've got a basic choice to make how am I going to describe the work she does. And it is work, right? I could just very easily and flippantly say, well, she's just a housewife. But that's not what this man in Proverbs 31 and verse 28 is being encouraged to do. He's encouraged to be the the biggest cheerleader, the biggest source of praise of all. And so I, I try very deliberately to say, well, we're blessed for her to be able to stay at home and work with our kids, and she loves being able to play that really
1: important role. And sometimes this phrase, uh, does your wife work, and when, what that means is, does she have a job outside the house? If you say no, then the conclusion is your wife doesn't work. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is always yes. And she probably works longer and harder at home than she would if she's out there uh, in, in the secular world. Absolutely. Cultural line number four, anything a man can do, a woman can do, and she'll do it better. Absolutely. That, that's just permeating through the movies today. We get men who are in the mess, and it's a woman who's the warrior. She comes and saves the day. She defeats the foreign nations and all these things. And this is not about equal pay for equal work. This is not about this. This is the idea, as feminism tries to present it, that men really are not necessary and a woman is better than a man. Now, God never says that. God never says a man's better than a woman or a woman's better than a man. what we find in scriptures is that they're joint heirs. They're equal heirs. And God loves them both equally. And so, there are some things that they can do the same. There are some things they cannot do. And whether it's biologically or even physically, as we're seeing in sports with some who claim to be a different sex now, even though they're, they're still not. And, We're seeing that some of these things are, are showing us that there is a difference in the physique and in the strength of some things. Doesn't mean one's inferior. Doesn't mean one's of less intelligence. It's just that God has made us differently, and we need to appreciate that. Cultural lie number
0: five: Men are weak, and a woman can use her body to get anything she wants.
1: Yeah, that's that's been the problem through the ages, and and just just to have a selfish use of your body, to get something i want people have done that to climb the ladder people have done that to get into the movies they'll just sleep their way to the top as they say and as they do that they're they're abusing everything god says they're throwing sin all over the place and that's just counter the way god wants us to be how god wants us to live and use our bodies but that's that's a common common thought in in society today
0: well i appreciate how earlier you brought up the idea of being in the image of God. I mean, this goes both ways, right? And you very well may touch on this uh, here soon as you look at, at little boys to godly men it is an absolute lie and perversion to say that women are weak and a man can use his body to get anything he wants, right? Just because perhaps he is stronger or in a a place of privilege or power that he can take whatever it is that he wants. Both directions are a sad, tragic Taking for granted of the fact that men and women, both created in the image of God, both worthy of honor, dignity, and respect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cultural line number six, women are an emotional
1: basket case, and because of that, they can't help what they do. And what culture does, as is, is you kind of listen to these six things, is it flip-flops. On one side, women are, are, you know, super women, or they're all powerful, they can do anything. But then on the other side is that they are just an emotional basket case, and that is a an excuse and justification for them just to maybe be a bully, maybe be bossy, maybe be out of control. And they hide it under that idea, well, I'm just a woman. Well, that that, that's no excuse. It's no excuse for a person to say, well, I'm just a man. It's no excuse for saying that's just the way I was raised. God expects us to make the righteous choices in our life, and that that's what we need to see. Absolutely. So I appreciated
0: in the the second half of this that you put uh, some figurative faces, if you will, on wisdom versus foolishness. You took us back to Proverbs 7 and put Proverbs 7 side by side with Proverbs 31 and the contrasts are stark, right? You see selfishness versus selflessness and deceptiveness versus honesty, playing with God versus walking with God. Ultimately, a woman of the world versus a a woman of God, but Maybe here in the last couple of minutes, uh, we don't know what any of our listeners will go through today. I mean, truth be told, you and I don't know what we will go through today, but Proverbs chapter 7 has a a keen way of getting us to think
1: about temptation. Absolutely, And, and, and it's just written in just a vivid way. It begins in verse six of Proverbs seven says, for at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice and I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Here's this guy. And, and now, of course, the houses were different in the first or back here in the Old Testament times. But today I, I imagine somebody just sitting at his, you know, standing at his kitchen sink. He's looking out the kitchen window. He sees this guy walking down the street. And he is naive, not dumb, but he's just clueless. He's not street smart. And pretty soon what happens is he's walking past a, a woman who has no regard to her marriage. She comes out dressed like a harlot. She's boisterous. She seizes him. She she seduces him. And she tries to get him to commit adultery with, him, with her. And he does. And this man is an eyewitness to all these things taking place. And what's really interesting as this unfolds, we, we see four major things just coming out. First of all, here's this kid who's walking down the wrong street. Uh, you're, you're walking down trouble, and trouble's going to happen. And some people find themselves in trouble because you're at the wrong place. You shouldn't be there, but he is. And then we find him walking down the wrong time of day. It's in the, it's in the evening, and this is when a lot of wrong things are taking place. And so wrong street, wrong time of day. Out comes this woman, dressed like a harlot, and he has a conversation with her, so he talks to the wrong person. This person's not going to help him get stronger in the Lord. This person isn't going to have him have righteous thoughts. She's taking him the other direction, and then what happens at the very end, he makes the wrong choice, and the passage ends by saying it will cost him his life. And so uh, the idea that that this this train wreck was happening before this man's eyes, he saw this and this person's so naive. He doesn't pay attention. He doesn't realize that he's being deceived, he's being tricked, he's being led like like an animal to a trap as the passage even says and before he knows it, he's caught. And this woman here as it's described, she has no regard for God, no regard for her vows, no regard for her husband. And she's just getting what she wants to get. This is this is a true image of a woman of the world who does not have God. I I so appreciate how
0: Solomon of course just Brilliant. Uh, of course, we we know the story behind that—that that God gives him a, a special measure of wisdom. But in Proverbs chapter seven, he has this vivid picture of foolishness on both sides. Right? We've got uh, a woman who is a source of temptation. We've got a, a man who is all too willing to give in to that temptation and it is an ugly picture. I mean, there, there's just no way to read Proverbs chapter 7 and walk away feeling good about what you've read. But then what we have is Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 1 shows us that that doesn't have to be the end of the story, right? Does not wisdom call, does not understanding, raise her voice. He goes on throughout the chapter to describe the blessings of wisdom. And ultimately, by the end, in verse 32, wisdom speaks and says, And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Seems like that's a great summary of everything we've been talking about. If I am a woman created in God's image, what's my responsibility? To listen to God, to keep the ways of God, uh, to hear instruction and be wise as a woman of God. If I'm a man created in the image of God, what's my responsibility? Hear instruction and be wise as a man
1: of God. And, and through these, you know, just vivid illustrations here, he shows us the good and the bad. And so we can see this and realize I don't have to make that same mistake, whether I'm a man or a woman. And I can listen to this. In fact, Proverbs 7 begins as a father talking to his son. My son, keep my words. It's like a father sitting down and, and it's like a father telling his son this story. Here's something I saw years ago, and here's what happened. That does not have to happen to you. Listen to these words. Listen to God. It will make a difference in your, in your life and in your world. But, what, but as we walk through life, what we have screaming all around us is our culture, our culture is saying these things are okay. These things are what everybody does. You'll never be happy unless you do these things. And so we're bombarded with all these loud voices from culture, but we know the true voice, the voice of God. Just as Eve was listening to the serpent, she heard some lies, she made some wrong choices. We are hearing lies in our times. If we believe them, we too will make the wrong choices. And so that's why listening to God is foremost through all of this. Little girls to godly
0: women. It was originally preached on the evening of March 13th, freely available in our podcast feed and at charlestownroad.org. We appreciate you walking through that with us, Roger. And I think it is Sunday, April the 3rd, that you are next scheduled to preach on Sunday evening. We look forward to little boys to godly men. Of course, we're looking forward to this evening. Roger, would you remind us what you're
1: teaching in the auditorium? We're going to wrap up our our series on the teacher Jesus, and we've been looking at different aspects of how Jesus taught and learning some principles about that. And so we're going to kind of put a a ribbon around all that and wrap up these lessons as we kind of finalize how Jesus got these fishermen to go into all the world and be preachers of righteousness.
0: All of those past lessons, they started first Wednesday in January, right? They are all available at charlestownroad.org. We're continuing our exploration of Who is God, Father, Son, and Spirit? This evening we'll be diving into God the Son, and we would love to have you join us. Lots of opportunities to learn. Again, if you weren't able to be with us to watch or listen uh, to these recent series or recent sermons from Kevin Clark, we would certainly encourage you to go back Uh, and listen to those as well. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to this week at Charlestown Road. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us.